if you have a blocker for your spirituality or your spiritual growth, that's an invitation because there's something on the other side of that, that as you go through it and navigate through it, you're going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. I never would have anticipated this. I thought it was terrible, but there was some meaning to it. Even if it's not necessarily saying, oh, I'm so glad I went through that, you know, because sometimes things suck, right? Mm -hmm. They just feel horrible. But if you can attach some sort of meaning to things, and our mind is designed to do that, by the way, we're meaning making machines. Mm -hmm. And you can say, you know what, this really was horrible and painful. And yet this is what I learned. Maybe it's even just so I get to help someone else through it. What's your sole purpose? It's what you came here to accomplish. It's also who you're meant to become so that you can make an impact by being yourself. We're all here to unlock our potential and create positive change in the world. Everything starts with you. One is not born into their purpose. One steps into their purpose. Were you born to do it? Let's find out together. Welcome to Born to Do It, a podcast about unlocking your most authentic self so that you can create positive change by being yourself. Today we're going to be talking about spirituality and I have a very exciting guest, spiritual life coach, Rita Desnoyers Garcia. Hopefully I got it right. You got it right. Excellent, Stella. Thank you. Thanks Fantastic. for inviting me to be here. Great to have you here. And I love that the conversations around spirituality always unlock this sense of positivity and open-mindedness. So my first question, I'm going to dive right into it. When was the first time you realized spirituality existed? Oh boy, that's a good question. I would say when I was very young in the backyard of my house growing up and kind of playing in the dirt and just feeling like there was so much more going on than me just playing in the dirt. It just felt like you would like sing to the leaves and stuff like that. <laughs> I'd just be la 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 la, there's a leaf. And uh, just felt this sense of like, wow, it's great to be alive. Here we are. Yeah. There's a leaf, but what does it mean? <laughs> yeah, I was just happy there was a leaf and I got to sing to it. And, you know, I was just kind of happy. And then I would say the other moment was I grew up Catholic and my parents were, uh, they met in the church choir. And so we spent a lot of time in the choir loft. I remember there were a lot of statues kind of in the back, almost like they were being stored there. And I remember there was a statue of Mary and we were taught to kneel before the statue and then pray. And I would, I would talk to the statue thinking that's Mary. And I'd be like, Hey, you know, I feel like this is very home. This felt familiar to me. This feels like a path. Of course, it changed over time, but it was sort of the entryway to there's more to this mm -hmm. than this physical statue or this physical building or this material world. Yeah. And the inner communication that we're practicing, whether it's prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's rumination, it is still going somewhere. We're still broadcasting this and it's, yes. it's a two-way communication. We're receiving ideas. We're receiving downloaded messages. Yes. Yeah. Guidance, yeah, intuition. Yeah. It's it's a two-way kind of feedback that maybe we haven't really explored in education and in society. And you know, oftentimes people that are talking to themselves are labeled as crazy or a little bit woo-woo. But usually the greatest inventors, they have to brainstorm ideas. And that is yep. the process of finding that next big idea. Yeah. I remember when I was young as well, I was playing with my Barbies, very on brand with the current movies, but yes. I just remember thinking, what is the meaning? What is the meaning of my life? And I just remember being very present outside of what was happening, just present with myself. So I think it's usually when we're children that we start to think yeah. about bigger things. It's very open. It's a very porous time of life. Yeah. And it's a playful kind of experience as well, because you get to ask all kinds of questions and no question is too difficult or too yeah. heavy. Just a question. Just asking questions. Mm. Yeah. Asking questions. So if you were to teach a class, first graders, how would you describe yeah. spirituality to them? And how would you describe spirituality to maybe first year at university? Would you describe it differently? That's a good question, man. That's a good question. I would say in general, spirituality is the focus or the concern of beyond the physical, beyond the senses, beyond the material world. It's your connection to the human spirit, the connection to your soul. And for kids, I would be like, when are you having the most fun? When do you feel the most free? What's going on? That is connecting to that 
that beyond the physical part of yourself. I would say that to the kids. It would be more of like through behavior. And for university students, maybe it would be like, when do you feel the most childlike? Maybe it would also be a reference to when do you feel the most free and childlike and happy and connected? Or when you're feeling really troubled, what do you do? How do you, who do you ask for help? How do you ask for help? Is it through a person? Is it through a just help me, anyone, please? Mm-hmm. Who do you call out to? What's where you to feel the most connected? I love this. I had a, a downloaded message recently that usually we're going to find our passion in our childhood years. Yeah. And, you know, we, we try to find meaning outside of us as we grow up, as we go through different establishments, school, university, yeah. workplaces. But it's that passion that we unlock when we were children, it's still there and it's waiting for us to return back to that childlike state. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're complicating spirituality. Maybe it's just a matter of asking these questions, getting used to asking the questions and creating that safe space for those questions to bloom and blossom into answers. Yeah. I think you're, you're onto something there. (laughs) I love that because my next question is what is spiritual education really? Because it has been, maybe intentionally not included in the school curriculum. Maybe we're thinking about spirituality as religion. Maybe we're thinking about spirituality as ethics and philosophy. And it's probably a little bit of everything. But we don't actually have spiritual classes when we grow up. How would you define spiritual education or what's your experience engaging with it? Oh, that's such a good question. I think everyone gets their education differently. I know it was Mark Twain who said, never let your schooling get in the way of your education. So Sometimes you don't learn it through school because like in general, school is sort of from the neck up, Mm -hmm. right? Except for maybe PE, then you get your body in there. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's very much about the material world in general. I was fortunate enough to that. I went to a, uh, a private Catholic university. And one of the requirements is that you had to take a philosophy or religion course. And that got me really thinking about a lot of things I really enjoyed that. And I think that was part of my spiritual education too, is asking questions that went beyond what I thought before. Once again, I think everyone is, it's very unique, the way people gain their spiritual education. I know one of the times where it started for me was when I was, I remember I was getting on a bus out of New York. I was leaving New York, going back to New Jersey, and I was getting on the bus and it hit me that I was an individual unique to everyone else around me and everyone else was too. And it kind of blew my mind that I was like a unique being on earth and there was never going to be someone who's exactly like me again. And I just sat there in the wonder of that. And I think that's part, that's another version of a spiritual class, if you will. And then of course, a lot of people take more conscious education in spirituality. I've gone to countless teachers. I've read lots of books. I, you know, watched videos and movies and studied under different people And that all added up. It all brought new questions. It brought new obstacles, new challenges, things that I had to learn again, but like at a different level. And it's constantly evolving. You know, just when you think you kind of know it all, you're reminded, eh, not really. (laughs) Yeah. Who are the biggest spiritual teachers that you've met in life? Because I can tell you that I've had spiritual teachers that came in all ages, at all ages. They were children, they were grandparents they had important lessons for me. And I realized that my soul grew from the experiences with them. So I'm, I'm grateful that now I can spot these teachers everywhere I go, because maybe I'm looking for it on some level. Oh, I definitely think that. I, uh, I think my husband is a big spiritual teacher because he doesn't define himself that way at all. But he has sort of an unconscious competency in a lot of these things. He just doesn't do it formally. And I go, huh, <laughs> Wow. Or, you know, we'll have a discussion or whatever, and and I'll think, oh, I'm so right. And then I realize, eh, not, not so much, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think anyone who challenges you can be a great spiritual teacher if you let them. You know, like every experience can be an expansion or a contraction. It's kind mm-hmm. of up to you. It can either expand your mind or make you bitter. And I've tried bitter, you know, it's okay, but I'd rather have expansion personally. So I think it's, you know, the people that, challenge you. And certainly my husband is one, a very loving one. My kids, wow, great mirrors and reflectors to me of what I've either taught them or said or behaved like, or inspired me in some way. 
where I go, wow, how did I have this being? You know, she's amazing. How'd she figure that out? You know, and then of course my parents, they're both passed away, but they both were incredible demonstrations of service. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, wow, that was really, I think a big part of their purpose on earth was to serve. And I got to be a recipient of that. So how much better can you get really? That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think we're all serving a purpose that is greater than us, even if we don't understand how our yeah. presence in certain rooms is maybe teaching other people. And in other occasions, people are teaching us and we can only understand the lessons after years have passed and we realize, oh, so that's why that happened. That's why I had to go through that. Yes. I thought it was, you know, going against my girl, but it was actually strengthening my spirit or strengthening my fate, whatever you want to call it, whatever your lesson was. But even if we think about school and some of the lessons we have to learn in the traditional structure of school, we don't always like the teachers. <laughs> Our yeah. spirit does not always like the teachers that are in front of us, but they usually have the best intentions for us. But they're seeing the situation from a completely different lens that maybe one day we'll be able to align with. I think one of the greatest teachers for me have been obstacles I've had to get over, or, you know, hit up against and then get over. And each time, I've gotten a little more conscious of this as I go through it is that I realize that there's a lot of freedom on the other side of this mm -hmm. obstacle. And a lot of the obstacles were there to show me to bring in compassion for other people who have gone through this and are maybe working through it. So in other words, I remember going through an obstacle where I felt like I wasn't being listened to or honored and I became very passive aggressive, watching myself become mm -hmm. passive aggressive. And then I went, wow, I am never going to judge all those people I used to judge for being passive aggressive because this is what they were facing. This is what they thought they needed to do in order to feel seen and heard and appreciated. And, and they just were, you know, beyond frustration about it. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Every time we ascend, it's because we need to relate to even more people. Yes. Absolutely. And that is a responsibility as well, because you are actively taking that responsibility of being the bigger person because you've ascended to that level where you can yes. hold more space. Yes. And if you go back to that place of, well, why isn't anyone listening to me? There's still a little bit of work on you that needs to yes. be and it doesn't mean, by the way, when, when we say this, it doesn't mean you have to hang out with people who drive you nuts. Yes. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you have to like stay in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. It just means you have more understanding and more compassion. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you have to stay. Sometimes compassion is leaving, is saying, you know what? Me being in this relationship or being with you is actually not a compassionate act. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people go, oh, I want to be compassionate, but I can't stand these people. I don't want to be with them. I'm like, you don't have to stay with them. Mm -hmm. Because our greatest service to others is when we leave with love, with joy. That's yeah. why we're trying to go back to that childlike state when we're happy to just be here. And we're channeling yes. that potential, that, that passion yeah. for life. That's our greatest service because yeah. we're essentially lifting other people's spirits by just being there. Again, it's yeah. a mindset shift. And usually that mindset shift happens through life. <laughs> you can't fake yeah. your way to it. <laughs> right? Was it man plans? God laughs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very mm -hmm. much so. Yeah. One of my questions to you, and I remember I wrote it down, was what are some of the biggest spiritual growth blockers in life and how can we overcome yeah. them? But now having listened to what we're just talking about, I feel like we have a lot more freedom than we realize. And we're the ones that are limiting ourselves. So yeah. when we say the blockers, it's more to do with, we see things as blockers, but they're really the next life lessons that we need to experience, yes. learn. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I studied was positive intelligence. And one of the things they say in positive intelligence is every problem is a gift and or an opportunity. And it's not to be Pollyannish. It's not to be in a denial. But if you can see challenge, I kind of see challenge now is just future successes. Really, they're just something to go through so you can learn, expand, and you're going to have success with that. So if you have a blocker for your spirituality or your spiritual growth, that's an invitation because there's something on the other side of that, that as you go through it and navigate through it, you're going to be like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. I never would have anticipated this. I thought it was terrible, but there was some meaning to it. Even if it's not necessarily saying, oh, I'm so glad I went through that, you know, because sometimes things suck, right? Mm -hmm. They just feel horrible. But if you can attach some sort of meaning to things 
And our mind is designed to do that, by the way. We're meaning-making machines. And mm -hmm. you can say, you know what? This really was horrible and painful. And yet this is what I learned. Maybe it's even just so I get to help someone else through it. That's what I really have focused on a lot in my life was not that I'm like, yay, I went through this horrible thing. But you know what? I went through it. And now when I see people who are going through something similar, I go, yeah, I get it. Let's mm -hmm. sit here and have tea, if you will. And I'm going to help you through it. Yeah. I've been guilty of it. That's uh, is the power of reframing. And I've always tried to be the, the most positive person that I know because I needed to uplift myself through difficult moments. And I thought I can pass on that to people. But if people are not ready for that positivity yet, it might just seem like you're annoying them with that. Yay, oh, you're going through I'm, a challenge. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the timing is everything. And you got to know when to zip it. As a parent mm -hmm. of teens, I've learned zipping it is mm -hmm. first and then figure out what you're going to do. Pick your battles. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been on the other side of that where someone's like, oh, wow. And I'm like, screw you. I'm, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. you're not ready to receive that. You're not there. Yeah. And it has to do with you kind of passing certain lessons for you to become that teacher in your yeah. own life, embody more of that teacher. Because if you cannot relate with that compassion, multifaceted compassion, compassion doesn't have just one face. Yeah. And I think that is spiritual maturity, realizing that it's not just about the positivity. You can still have that positive spirit that everything's going to be okay, but yes. you can sit next to that person that's suffering or sit next to yourself and be kind to yourself as you're going through yes. something where you don't have all the strength and that's okay. When I do work on compassion, one of the steps is to sit with yourself as if you're someone that you know you, you love and adore and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're suffering through this. I'm so sorry this brings you pain. That's a great place to start because mm -hmm. then it, ease is okay i'm being heard i'm being listened to i can trust this i can reveal more emotion here and then allows you to get to the next phase which is okay let's look at what you really need right now absolutely and i love that the power of reframing also means that if you feel like nobody's listening or nobody's honoring you you get to do that for yourself yep coming back to self we yeah. expect the outside world to meet our needs for the first <laughs> responsibility we have is to understand what our needs are so we can meet them and kind of return to honoring ourselves in all yes. of our facets and you know we have a lot of potential but we also have a lot of blockers towards releasing that potential but all yeah. of those there are internal chickens internal responsibilities yep. how do you guide people when they are ready to return back to their selves well you know it reminds me of that song looking for love in all the wrong places People usually relate to that, like they're looking for the next relationship or they think their kid is supposed to give them something mm -hmm. or their job or whatever. And then, you know, I just ask them questions like, how's that going for you? You know, the old Dr. Phil question, how's that working out for you? And they're like, well, I'm not getting any of those things. And then I go, okay, so I'm going to ask you a really tough question. Are you ready to like actually have a better relationship with you? And if they're desperate enough, they will do that. Because I think that's one of the hardest relationships we have because most people think that they're just not very good. They're going to find something really horrible about themselves. And so they're afraid to go in there and explore. And it's like, you know what? I know you're afraid, but take my hand and we're just going to do it one step at a time. And you got to get like we were talking about people being ready. People are usually ready when they're, they've done everything else and it doesn't work. So they're desperate enough to try something different. When the fear of staying where they are is greater than the fear of going somewhere else. Or when people have a scare for their life, kind of that midlife yeah. crisis. So yes. the time on earth is, you know, diminishing so fast. I, I better find my meaning. I better find my purpose. Yeah, tick, find yeah. <laughs> yeah. tick, tick, tick. Or, or they get sick or they lose a job or they have a marital breakup or, you know, something happens to shake up their world. Yeah, that's the that's part of the human condition, right? We usually just don't make these changes because it seems like a good idea, you know, out of nowhere. It comes from a place of, I got to do something because where I am is too painful. It's just too painful. And it could also be when you find yourself in a place of comfortability. It's the zone of comfort for too long and you kind of get yeah. bored. So your spirit team, your guides, whatever you believe in, your higher self pushes you out of that comfort zone. 
And suddenly you find yourself in new positions, yeah. new rooms, new environments. You're like, how do they end up here? It's because yes. you're ready. It's time for you to experience something new, to challenge yourself. But in those situations, when you are the new person, you look within for the answers. Sure, you ask people, but you learn how to rely on yourself. And it's a little yes. bit like when kids are being pushed to this, in the swimming pool when they're young, when they need to rely on their instincts. Yes. They already have those instincts, but they've been disabled by maybe society coddling us <laughs> on some level. Right. right, and we look, you know, look to the, the nature, right? The fledgling, mm -hmm. the fledgling bird. Is hopping around trying to figure it out. Now the parent is there every once in a while, just kind of checking in. But that fledgling doesn't kind of know it. It's just kind of flipping around, and it either survives or it doesn't survive. It realizes it needs to go under a bush or whatever it needs to do. But it starts getting stronger and stronger, and before you know it, it's flying back and forth from the nest, and then it goes off. I remember one time my kids and I they found a fledgling and they felt so terrible about it that they brought it home. And I'm like, I don't know if that's such a good idea, guys, you know, but they felt so bad for this little fledgling. And I called up one of these wildlife bird sanctuaries and they're like, no, no, don't do it. It's supposed to be there. And it was such a great lesson for all of us. Like, yes, sometimes you got to be out there on your own. That's part of growing up. Mm. Part yeah. of the hero's journey, right? Is the call to adventure, yes. something happens. And that's why we fall in love with these stories. Yes, yeah, we love hearing them because they're part of what we actually go through. We share similarities. And if one person can reconnect with their spirit, so can you. And ultimately the journey to self, only you can take it because everyone's journey is individual. Yep. It's personalized. As you mentioned, authenticity is the, the biggest superpower that we have. And when you realize that there's only one of you, that your authenticity is what makes you so mesmerizing. Yep. I think all the bad stuff, they don't, they don't weigh as much. Sure, you're going to find that you've contributed to disappointing people or even hurting people with your actions because you did not know better. But that's part of the learning process. Now yeah. that you're learning, you get to be a better human being. You get to make an example, a better example. Maybe you didn't have role models. You know, we tend to criticize and judge ourselves too harshly when our environment has contributed to a large degree to our early years. And now yeah. we know better. And we continue to know better and go up in a spiral, right? Like I know I felt it. My clients feel it. I feel like I'm going backwards. I feel like I haven't made any progress. I'm like, no, you're just coming around to yes. look at that again, mm -hmm. but you're, you're at a different level now. Yeah. Just chipping away at more the next layer of the onion. That's part of the process. And I think that's such the important information that we don't know are things like it's part of the process. You're not alone. You're not some weirdo. When things aren't going right, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It just means it's time to expand and learn. Those types of reframes go a long way. Yeah. And I'm being brought back to two metaphors that we kind of locked while recording previous episodes. One was that that hero's journey is a little bit like the Christmas tree. And every circle, it's the, the more you ascend, it's smaller because you're getting yeah. faster through the lessons. Yeah. yeah. And you feel like you're going to the same place, but you're higher and you can see it from a bigger perspective. And really the star on top, that's your North Star because you're following your passion, yeah. you're following your purpose. And the yeah. other example that we used, especially around spirituality, was that we're like the, the trees with every year. There's another line that shows our age and shows how much we've had to walk in circles to finally get it right. <laughs> well, and if you even look at the planetary movement right mm -hmm. you have a moon going around our earth and the yes. earth and the moon are going around the sun and they're actually spiraling out into the galaxy so mm -hmm. we're actually constantly dynamic motion going in circles orbiting 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 so it's in our nature well, cyclical nature but every day we're getting better at being ourselves so that's every what day in every way <laughs> as they say absolutely and this is a great opportunity to add some circles into the conversation. Yeah, the Venn diagram. The Venn diagram. So your role is that of a spiritual life coach. And we've heard of the term life coach over the years. What would you say is the middle ground between life coach and a spiritual life coach? And what, what's different, really? Right. Well, coach is one of those words that everyone uses and everyone thinks it know, they know what it means. But I've met you know lots of different coaches and they're all a little different. So this is just broad strokes. But I would say a life coach is someone who focuses on goals, physical, material goals, which is awesome. You can go really far with that. 
a spiritual life coach focuses on more soul energy, universal, something bigger than you that you're trying to connect with. And what I feel like I do is that Venn diagram of having goals, having physical material goals. I want to make more money. I want to have better relationships. I want to have better health. And then using that connection you have with the spiritual world to help you achieve them and, and really who you become in the process. Like, yeah, I want to have a million bucks. Okay. You need to become a certain person in order to do that. Do you want to become the best, most connected person? Or do you want to be someone who has a million bucks, but is always afraid or is always feel like someone's going to cheat them? Or, you know, how do you want to do that? Or you have a headache all the time. So the spiritual life coach in my book is people come in with their, usually with some sort of material worldly stuff that they want to resolve or improve. And what I do is I go, okay, let's do it but we're going to do it in a way that connects you with the real meaning of your essence. So that as you accumulate these things, the accumulations are just the byproducts of who Mm -hmm. you've become. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you've added a different middle ground than I have because I added what's your purpose. But I think the question is, who are you? That's the starting point. It's that identity because both are helping you kind of redefine your identity, but they're, they're starting from different starting points. Let's say from one is starting with the material world and the other one is starting with the spiritual world and they meet in the middle, which is both your identity and your purpose. Well, and I think in today's, you know, dialogue, we're having more and more of, you know, because I'm in the coaching world, right? And a lot of, and I work with a lot of people who are very spiritually based. And that's one of the biggest conflicts they have is how do I do this authentic spiritual work and make money, for instance, you know, or do marketing? Because we've kind of put that in the material world. And a lot of people who are in the spiritual world feel like, I don't know what to do with that, or I feel nervous, or I don't want it, or I'm afraid I'm going to sell out or something. And I think one of the things that we're working on as a collective on the planet right now is bringing those two together in a really sacred way. Because I think money and wealth and all that stuff, it's just energy. So how do you want to use it? And we have our values kind of shifted a little bit to prioritize money as a sense of creating value around who we are right? versus looking at our inherent value and who we are and what we want to create to then help us build legacies and products and businesses and communities that allow us to have that lifestyle. Right. So you don't want to identify or fetishize having lots of money or having so little and money, right? Because that's sometimes Mm -hmm. what we, uh, a lot of people in the spiritual world do is, well, I'm not supposed to have money or having money means that I'm not doing real work Mm -hmm. because I've, I've tainted it in some way. So, and this is not conscious necessarily, right? So it's a lot of it's like, look, you know, it doesn't mean you're a good or a bad person if you have money or don't have money. It's how do you sustain yourself and live a great life being you? Right. And I remember a long time ago when I started my business, I said, I want to get paid for being me, mm-hmm. for being really me, which is kind that's of when you started this whole conversation. I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally. Yep. That's what I'm about. It's authenticity. And I think I've seen that a lot with manifesting coaches, that it's one way to recondition your mind that you are worthy of getting paid yep. by just being yourself today. There's nothing fundamentally broken about you. You're not, there's yep. nothing wrong with you by wanting to have a different lifestyle or having a different background. Yep. You are a human being. You have a soul. You have potential. You're here to channel it. You're here to serve and be of service. And that might look different, different days. It really depends yep. on, you know, what kind of lifestyle suits you because, you know, before you have kids, you want to have a specific lifestyle that once you have kids, you no longer want to participate in that lifestyle doesn't mean that your value has changed, your self-worth has changed, that you're less worthy or more worthy of money. It's just different life circumstances. It's just different. Exactly. And I wanted to go back to, you know, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I think that was one of the biggest belief systems that I needed to jettison was there's something wrong with me. And I didn't even know I had it. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know if someone said, do you think there's something wrong with you? I'd be like, no, I'm fine. But in my lens of life, how I would respond to things, how I would interpret things, what I was resisting or defending against was all that protecting me because I was convinced there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. and you need to, right? And once that left, I could feel like, oh, wow, there's nothing wrong with me. Okay. 
that took that took a while to figure out how to do. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that one of the things that drives me is like, I don't want anyone and my, my peeps tend to be moms, professional moms, but I don't want anyone walking around going, well, there's something wrong with me. Like yeah. that's, I think of too big a burden. Like, no, let's get beyond <laughs> that. You know, <laughs> life's too short to live with that. Yeah. To be judgmental in your own head towards yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a life sentence and we are sentencing ourselves. And we don't understand that we have the key and we can leave that cage yes. that we've placed ourselves into to protect yes. ourselves because we have wings to fly with. Yeah, but you get so used to that burden mm-hmm. that you don't even realize you're having it. You just think this is life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so you hang around the cage, even though the door's been open for yes. a while. You're kind of like, yeah, but I kind of like it's kind of nice in here. I mean, I don't know about out there. I just go for a nap, you know, <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. Have you seen those videos of when they release animals into the wild? They hang around their enclosure for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why life starts when you get out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. And that's why there's so much trauma in society. So much of our spiritual growth has been blocked as a collective so that that trauma can be inflicted so that we are focused on it. So we're focused on our kind of yeah. shaming ourselves and carrying that guilt instead of realizing that we are beautiful, magnificent, limitless yep. beings that can create yep. amazing innovations across all yep. industries. But listening to you kind of reminded me of Haruki Murakami. He has a very unique style of writing his books. He writes first in English and then translates it into Japanese. And is very symbolic, I would say, of neurodivergent people living in a world of neurotypicals. They would first read the room of neurotypicals, so they understand the language of whatever environment they're in, before they can actually speak their own language. Mm. Interesting. So they can find a way to blend in and move safely through that environment yep. because they, on some level, understand that they will not be met with some sort of acceptance or they anticipated based on previous experiences. Maybe they've shifted enough environments to now be accepted as who they are, but they carry that previous experience. Just yeah. trying to fit in. That's very universal because we were in a tribal species, right? Mm-hmm. If you didn't fit into the tribe, you literally were probably going to die soon. So Mm -hmm. you learn how to fit in and fit in fast. Yeah. That's some probably ancestral memory as well. It's not even maybe even from your (laughs) own lifetime. No, 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 no. That's your Mm -hmm. biology. You know, part of Mm -hmm. our biology is we're social animals. We want to fit in. So we learn that. And our parents are very, say thank you. Yes. I say that to my kids, make eye contact, shake hands, say thank you. Nice to meet you. Yes, I've realized that I'm doing that as well. When I see someone that I, that is unfamiliar to my own consciousness, I suppose, I'm like, okay, don't make eye contact too right, much. Right, right, right. <laughs> just act normal. Just act normal. Yeah, exactly. The wiring that you have inside, just play, you know. Yes. <laughs> We're just humans. We're all just, you know, as they say, trying to walk each other home. We can be weird. I mean, let's be honest. We can be weird sometimes, yeah. especially when we realize that our brain is operating like that. <laughs> but We're fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah, we're all weird. What is it? Uh, normal? It's just a setting on your washing machine, mm, right? Yeah. I like that. Well, we're here to unlock our potential, unlock our purpose, and unlock more of our authenticity because that's precisely how we create positive change in the world by being ourselves and by reaffirming, "I am worthy of getting paid being myself." I love that mantra. I stand by it, and I think everyone. Once they've reached a specific level of their self-discovery journey, you're going to figure out why would I waste my time playing somebody else when I can just be myself? Yes. And we have tools that can help us. We have people that can help us, coaches, but we also have tools like astrology, numerology. And so let's look at your profile. In your case, we didn't have the time of birth, but we still have a lot of information that can help us, which is fascinating to me because I'm learning as well as I'm building these profiles. Starting with your name, this is showing you your life path number because numerology is pointing us to the different destiny paths. So your first name corresponds to nine, which is higher meaning. So you're here to dedicate your life to a quest for higher meaning, which is usually nine is the higher education. It's the mind expansion. It's kind of the journey, whether you call it the self-discovery journey, the fool's journey, or maybe even traveling the world, because you're here to collect that data and make your own conclusions and pass on that information forward. Your middle name points to four, which is kind of the number of the subconscious mind, psychology, the home, the roots. So you're here to unlock your inner knowledge 
for and through self-empowerment, which is, I would say, very much in alignment with what you're doing right now. You've self-empowered yourself and now you're helping other people go on that path of self-empowerment because it can be quite a lonesome journey when we start. (laughs) The first few steps, the first few months can be quite lonesome. Years. Or years in some cases, yeah. Especially if we have to make radical changes, which is sometimes the case. Mm -hmm. Very well said. And then your last names point to, again, number four. So intuitive self, helping others use their right brain to boost their intuition. And this is kind of your communication style. So if your middle name points to what's already in your consciousness and you're here to unlock it, your last name or names point to your expression, your style, and how you're going to be moving through the world. And you have seven with the final letter, which is the number of partnerships. So you're here to team up with others and lead through collaboration. That's the best way that you're going to be able to express your potential and share all of that wisdom because the path nine usually is a path where you collect a lot of information, but you're also here to share that information. It's it's not just you being the philosopher in your room, but kind of traveling and sharing those experiences with others. And that's one of the best ways to learn as well, side mm-hmm. by side with other people, <laughs> asking the big questions. Any surprises so far? No, none of this is a surprise kind of mind expansion it's usually linked to higher education but it doesn't have to be just the education system it can also be you seeking for more of educating yourself and looking for more meaning in life but i would say it's a very good match between nine and four because four is really reconditioning your own mind and diving deep in your own psyche to to figure out things that's a big part of my work yeah Mm -hmm. Whereas the higher number nine, life path nine, it's more to do with doing the outside research and going here and testing things, reading things and exploring things. That's why the school is a great place for kind of that exchange of information because you are simultaneously working with the documents and the books, but also with people, with other teachers or the students. Overall, this is a very powerful researcher's path, teacher path. That takes us to overall number 24, which when you put it together, two plus four is six. So the path your overall life path is self-growth. So the way that each name guides you to certain aspects of your natal birth chart is going to be visible at the end. But every number, every single thing in this has meaning, which is what I love about this model is that you can learn so much about yourself and kind of prove to yourself that you're not going crazy, first of all. Not that right. there's anything wrong with you know having a completely different life path than everyone else. But the path of self-growth usually requires that quest for, I want to know more. I want to do more. I want to try different things. I want to change my habits. I want to see if this yeah. balance, work-life balance is going to work. So you're definitely more used to experimenting that, than most people. <laughs> you're nodding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, self-growth is, is a big part of my value system. It's something that I think is very important and I'm not, you know, what's the word? I'm not obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Fanatic about it. Yeah. I'm not like, I need to be growing right now. You know, I'm not like that. But definitely, I. how can I grow from this? Mm-hmm. How can I expand from this? Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Awesome. This takes us to the elements. And the first element is your sun sign, which connects to Gemini, which is an air sign. So this is kind of the person that you need to embody, the energy that you need to embody to channel more of your potential in this lifetime. So this is somebody who is very communicative. So you are releasing that information, you're leading the conversation, you're researching, you're dealing with the intelligence. And this intelligence could be the intelligence that you carry within or intelligence that you've obtained during your lifetime. But Gemini is one of the most talkative signs and it's for a reason when they're using it in in alignment with their higher self because they're able to not only put to use the knowledge that they've obtained, but also channel more of their higher self and channel messages that haven't been seen anywhere else, which is a fantastic way to operate um, with the sun sign in Gemini. Your moon sign in Capricorn is kind of like your superpower. So something that you've already mastered being and you're bringing that sense of strong sense of self, you're applying it into your actions, but what's driving you to channeling more of your potential is actually your ability to express your ideas and ability to communicate through your ideas. So from just acting and getting to know who you are and applying those the the leadership through actions, you're using your voice a lot more in this lifetime. And that brings us to the South Node and North Node connections. So South Node points to the existing knowledge, which is Scorpio, which is a very deep sign. It's one of the 
greatest indicators for emotional intelligence, which coupled with number four in the middle name points to that alignment between you having to look within to kind of reprogram your subconscious mind or get to know what's Mm -hmm. in that subconscious mind and embody more of that inner emotional intelligence so that you can empower other people to do the same work because you have already mastered this. You already know how to do the work, but other people might be scared when it comes to dealing with that depth that Scorpio has. And then the North Node, which is your current learning path in this lifetime, it's Taurus. So once again, it's an earth element and it has to do with grounding those ideas to earth. So creating some sort of forums or places perhaps where you can exchange those ideas because North Node and the Sun sign work together. And because Gemini is a a very talkative sign. It's, it has to do with the exchange of information. Mm-hmm. Grounding that information has to do with maybe making the space in the physical world where those ideas can be exchanged a little bit more. It could also be, you know, grounding the ideas in, in books, in products and services, but it's definitely being driven from 5D to 3D. But because you've already mastered that as the moon sign in Capricorn, it's just switching gears so that you can maximize that alignment with your higher self and channeling that potential. Everything is connected once again. Where we have a surprise element is the rising sign because that is very much dependent on when you're born, the the exact time. So this is going to be a mystery element for you. But we know that your Venus sign is Taurus. So it's a very grounded sign once again. And it's a very strong indication that you're going to be completing your North Node mission in this lifetime with your soul tribe. This is not a solitary pursuit. And I think having your last name with seven, which is the path of partnerships, it's a very strong indication that what you're here to accomplish is going to happen through collaborations. You're going to be able to achieve or reach more people through that collaboration while still keeping yourself as the leader of sharing those ideas. You're here to generate ideas to inspire the next wave of change makers. So ground ideas that allow people to engage with them in the 3D world. You're here to awaken your ability to manifest and teach others self-empowerment. So channel your emotional intelligence and help others increase theirs. You're here to connect and co-create soul-led experiences with your soul tribe. So collaborate with individuals who are on the same wavelength as you. I'll leave that open to interpretation because individuals who are on the same wavelength can relate to your emotional intelligence, your purpose, your habits, your growth mindset. But this is a very beautiful roadmap to meeting more of your soul tribe on earth and just Mm -hmm. creating beautiful things, talking about ideas. So I'd say there's a lot of power that is emanating from this because power is in the tongue. And you being a Gemini sun sign, you have that power to change people's lives for the better. Yeah, lots of confirmation of what I'm already doing. I wouldn't have said that maybe 15 years ago. I would have been like, really? But (laughs) with more years, I feel much more myself than I did before. I think there was a lot of obstacles that was preventing me from doing a lot of this. Yeah, for sure. We've mentioned that in previous episodes you discover these confirmations in the world when the time comes. Because if you were to discover this 15 years ago, as you mentioned, you might have heard it and completely ignored it. And I remember I had a lot of people coming into my life talking about dates of birth charts as I was going through the years. And I was like, okay, dates of birth charts, whatever. (laughs) It doesn't have anything to do with me. And that was me being maybe ask to look at them, but I ignore that intuitive guidance. So yeah, when we're ready, we align with that path. Yeah. In my younger years, I did a lot of seeking, seeking, seeking and would get, you know, whispers of different things. And then I would ignore it basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) sort of like, Oh wow, that's amazing. And then I would like have amnesia about it and go back to my old ways. And so I was constantly seeking until I was ready. I remember being in right after college, a good friend of mine said to me, Rita, you have amazing potential. And once you realize that you're going to be unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And I went, wow, that's kind of cool. And then, you know, I just didn't do anything about it for decades. Yeah. I would say the flame wasn't strong enough is what what's coming to mind, but it's usually that, that flame of self-empowerment when we are able to rely entirely on ourselves internally to power ourselves into action into believing ourselves really. Yeah. And I think for me, it really came from being in that really painful place of desperation where I 
tried all of my usual tricks that I got from mm -hmm. childhood that helped mm -hmm. me survive and nothing was working. And I just gave up and I said, all right, I surrender. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's time to, you know, connect with someone who can help me. And that's, you know, along the way, there were lots of other things that happened as well, but that was a big moment when I had my first coach, for instance, yeah. who said, Hey, can you be kind and gentle with yourself? And I thought it was crazy for actually suggesting that. I'm like, what good will that do? But because mm -hmm. I was a good A student, I was mm -hmm. like, all right, I'll do it. And then I realized, wow, this is uh, pay attention. There's something yeah. big here. Yeah. And now you're passing on the torch by coaching the next wave of, you know, people that are recognizing they have potential, they have power that's just yes. waiting for them. Yes. So. I feel very much my role is I'm the person backstage, you're, you're, we're backstage, you're about to go on, and I'm the person who looks you in the eyes and takes you by the shoulders and said, hey, you can do this. Mm -hmm. Got this. You know, I believe in you. And then I push him out. <laughs> But isn't it amazing that in order for you to become that, the universe had to whisper in your ear, we believe in you. So Yes. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of people doing that. Many messengers. <laughs> Many messengers. I remember my midwife took me by the shoulders and said, you're going to push this baby out. And I was just like, I don't know if I can. And she's like, you're going to do it. <laughs> well, I have to mention that one is not born into their purpose. One steps into their purpose. And the NATO birth chart points to our potential. It points to our self-growth opportunities. It's, it points to our superpowers or strengths, but it's entirely up to us to make those choices, make those adjustments and follow the intuition because our intuition might take us into places that we never anticipated we're going to end up because there is an opportunity for growth there because there is a destined partnership there. It's something that is happening on a much greater scale that we cannot anticipate with our 3D, even if it's advanced brain. <laughs> so... Trust the journey, even if it takes you on detours. And the natal birth chart, when you know exactly when you're born, gives you precise indication as to the houses and, and you know, perfect match. But even if you don't know it, you can still work with those elements. And those elements reveal a lot about what you're here to embody and how you're here to operate. And I'd love to finish this conversation with a book that you wrote, The Self-Compassion Project, and hear more about how this was created, this gift to the world was created, and how would you like to present it to the world? Thank you for bringing it up. It's very kind of you. So I mentioned that first meeting I had with my coach where he, you know, asked me to be kind and gentle with myself. And I thought it was like kind of a stupid thing, but I did it anyway. And it was the first moment I started crying. It was the first moment in a long time where I wasn't berating myself. Um, and we talked about, you know, how being mean to yourself can be blocking you from spiritual development. So I felt like there's something really important here. And what I was realizing that moment was that that's a part of self-compassion. When you can be with yourself in a very loving, empathic, gentle, and kind way, which helps you like every child, right? Wants to be loved, appreciated, heard, and recognized. And when you do that for yourself, it helps you to start in really discovering who you are at your core, it empowers you. It helps you be really honest with yourself. So you're not, you know, just having a lot of denial so you can make change in your life. And it's what's, it, what helps you make lasting change. And so when I realized that self-compassion was the place that I was constantly coming back to with my clients and within myself, anytime I wanted to make a change, I start teaching a class in self-compassion. I called it becoming your own BFF. It, it became popular and someone said, you know, you should really write a book about this so that people can just do it on their own or at least have a, a little bit of it. And so that's where I wrote the book was really based on the course and um, it's available in all the usual places, as they say. And I right now I'm doing a lot of workshops that are just you get the book and we just start it. We just start the book because that's another thing that people do. They buy books thinking they're they're solving their problems and then they put the book on the shelf. They don't even read it, but it looks nice. So the workshops I'm doing now is like, look, I'm going to give you the book and we're going to crack that sucker open and use it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start this journey. A lot of people stop themselves because they want things to be perfect. And even with experiences, I want the environment to be perfect before I open the book. And it's just these self, I don't know, self bargaining techniques. <laughs> Yeah, it's that the mind will do anything to protect you from change because change is, you know, kind of risky in the mind's 
point of view. I, I remember going, um, we were hiking and we came to a point where I thought, oh, it's a cliff. We're not, we went the wrong way. He's like, oh no, the trail is down. And I was like, there's no way, you know? And he's just like, just follow my steps. And I literally slithered down as it was very undignified. And I made it to the bottom and he high-fived me. And I said, that was so terrible. That was so, and he goes, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I said, I was on my butt most of the time. And he's like, who cares? You did it. Yeah. And that's where, you know, he becomes this great teacher. He's like, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You did it. You went down something you were scared, even though you were swearing and invoking God's name and, you know, cursing me out. You did it. That's how we channel our potential by the actions that we take. And some of those actions, we might not look very dignified because we're beginners, because we're trying something for the first time. But that's how we grow through those experiences. Exactly. It's like, well, you're a toddler. Would you say, well, you're not toddling perfectly. You would say, no, you're doing great. You didn't take the first step correctly. Let's repeat that. Exactly. Oh, what do you call it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, you would be like, yay. You need to do that with yourself. You need to do that with yourself. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody that's currently learning to befriend themselves? What would be your crucial piece of advice? I would say be gentle with yourself as you befriend yourself. Don't make that another way to beat yourself up that you're not doing perfectly. And look for places where you're already doing it. Did you slow down? Did you pause? Did you breathe? Did you put your hand on your heart? Did you take a walk when you needed it? These are all great ways to love yourself. So that's one of the things that I teach a lot is you're probably already doing things that are loving that you discount. Mm -hmm. So let's give yourself credit and then build from there instead of, living under the lie that that's not possible. And honoring the cover of your book. Give yourself not only compassion, but give yourself some flowers. Give yourself a break. Give yourself, find your love language and express it to yourself and, you know, be that protector of your inner child. It's all going to be different and unique to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've absolutely loved our conversation, Rita. What's one place where people can find you, reach you if they have any questions or want to work with you? Awesome. So my website is called Becoming Awake. Um, so you can look there. Um, if you want my book, it's on Amazon. It's on my site. It's on Goodreads. I also have a Facebook group called Calm Mom Alliance. So you can always come into the group. We love to have you because I do stuff there every day. Some snippets, some tips, some hacks, some discussion. So those are three places with, that are great to connect. Thank you for making the world a better place with your intuitive oh, guidance wow. and with you believing in yourself because... You are the role model that you didn't have. And now you are a role model for people that don't have role models. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's an honor and privilege. Thank you. Thank you for listening.